Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's Monday morning. It's football and random things. Jared Stansbury. What's up, Jeff? Woody? It is. It is good to know where you're going for a bowl game. That's what it is. The season officially has some the start of closure. I have to go back to Orlando. <laughs> We're moving on Friday. So we've been building a home since like June. Which 2021, great year to build a house. Just, just in case anyone else out there is, has gone through that process. Our builder has been awesome. Loved working with him. But this has been, from a material standpoint, a terrific thing. But anyway, you're supposed to move on Friday. And so like between moving and furnishing a house and stuff like that, we're probably not going to be able to get down to the bowl game. Um, but when I saw that it was Orlando, I was like, oh, well, that sucks. But then I saw that it was Clemson. And I was like, oh, well, that might be fun. So the matchup is awesome. The location... I uh, yeah, fine. I mean, it's better than New York, I guess. Yeah, it's warm. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't really like Orlando. Orlando sucks. It's a horrible city. It's, I'm just saying it's warm. Yeah, and, and so I've also had this argument, and this is this is a personal thing. This is not a thing against. Uh, it's not a thing that I feel like is is not speaking from Cyclone Fanatics' perspective, not speaking from Iowa State fans' perspective. Just just Jeff. Orlando. Super overrated, super overrated. Traffic's yeah, everywhere. Yeah, I don't like the uh, uh, the the theme parks. I love roller coasters. Love rides. Way too packed. You can't Way get too on them. No. Remember, we were there when yeah we went into Universal. Yeah. Now perhaps ten hours went on one ride. Perhaps the only because I've only been there once, and so my wife loves. Orlando because she goes she big on cruises and theme parks and stuff and loves Orlando but she's also been there in non-peak season which I think could be fun the only time that we were there was for a bowl game when 60,000 people from the state of Iowa came down there as well as everyone else between Christmas and New Year's so I would imagine it's the wrong taste but there was a traffic jam at 9 45 p.m last time we were there again not selling this very well but uh the rest of it the, the trip that we took two years ago when uh, I was two years ago, three years ago, two years ago, two years when uh, Iowa State went down there, this was wonderful. If you haven't booked your trip, one, book through Cycle Fanatic if you have the capacity, the capacity to do that. We don't have a trip this year. So don't, don't have capacity to do that. So don't book through Cycle Fanatic. So here's the better option for, for booking is uh, we went to St. Petersburg, uh, like to the Tampa area and spent three, four days down there because the flights were substantially cheaper to Tampa. And then we stayed on the beach, on the Gulf, like lovely. And then rented a car from Tampa and just drove it to Orlando and then flew back from Orlando. Like that was our, our pattern. And it was lovely. We got to spend most of the time on the beach in Florida and not have to deal with Orlando for five days. So that's what we did. So if you're, if you're interested, that's another option. Just fly into the like Fort Myers down there and then drive across the state. See, there's only one problem with that. Uh, Iowa is going to Orlando as well. Oh. So everyone is flying to the state, <laughs> state of Iowa. Iowa. The state of Iowa, the state of Iowa for the next month is brought to you by the city of Orlando and, the, and, and uh, Orlando Tourism Bureau. I, man, there could you can you picture the vo- the pure volume of beer that's going to be consumed in that city between like December twenty first and January third. Like it just ballpark the amount of beer. <laughs> the entire city. Because I imagine Clemson fans can put it down too. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they can. The city of Orlando is just going to be ready for the entire state of Iowa to leave. By the, <laughs> like after a week. God, you people are friendly, but Jesus, you drink a lot of beer. Oh, man. Yeah, it's going to be something else. Clearly, this podcast is not brought to you by the Orlando Bureau of Tourism uh, at this point. But uh, I'll bring you yeah. back a big vat of Cheez-Its yeah. and, uh, and, some, oh, man. and some Mickey Mouse ears, okay? You know what they need is they need little the Cheez-Its that are like printed with the little the logos of the teams and mm-hmm. then give those out as favors. If they don't do that, Cheez-It, you're missing a huge opportunity. Huge opportunity. If they have them, I'm, I imagine that they would have them at the media hotel and I could probably secure you some. I, I would think that that would be something that is possible. I uh, want to eat a little Iowa State and Clemson salty cheese snack. If That's what I want. Don't they douse the winning team, like the coach, you know, they do the Gatorade dump. Don't they do a Cheez-It dump? I think so. Or the Cheez-It bowl? Yeah, I think that I think they so. That was when it was in Arizona, but I think that that's a thing. It and, would be really uh, funny to see Matt Campbell doused in Cheez-Its. With a scowl on his face. Like, yeah. there's, there's no way that any, I don't, I mean, maybe he's been joyous a couple times, but every time they douse him, he's always just, like, irritated. He's generally irritated. Why are you celebrating right now? We have more stuff to do. That's sort of his demeanor. So you have a scowling coach getting doused with a bucket of crackers. That's a visual right there. That's what I want. I want to see all of this. Oh, man. All right. Yeah, that's been a, it's been an interesting week across college football. The last two weeks of college football have been like, I mean, I, don't, I think they're indescribable. I feel like there will be a 30 for 30 someday, just about the last two weeks between. It really all started with Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, his- I think Lincoln Riley, not necessarily leave, like even stay, take a step before that is the Lincoln Riley to LSU news yeah. is That's really I I think, where that started. Yeah, I was going to say it started with Lincoln Riley saying he would not be the next head coach at LSU. That was the beginning. And then and having gotten followed by a bunch of LSU players and stuff. And that being the day that, you know, that you've got Ohio State, Michigan playing like all of that stuff is going on. All of that craziness. The Iron Bowl was insane. And then the next day, Lincoln Riley leaves. And the day after that, Brian Kelly ends up leaving Notre Dame to become the next head coach at LSU. And it was just like, it, it, it made you think, what can college football do at this point to one-up itself? Can it, can it be done? <laughs> you know, you start to think, man, there's yeah. nothing crazier that could possibly happen. And then something crazier would inevitably happen every single time. Well, and now we, I mean, the next, the crazy scale is upped by University of Miami. I mean, that's the, it's not upped in a crazy scale. It's just another crazy apple tossed in the crazy pot. Yeah. I'm going to read you this. Um, I'm going to read you a, a, a snippet from a story from the athletic at, at this hour, it is being reported that Mario Cristobal is going to be the next head coach at the university of Miami. Last I knew they were in a team meeting, uh, out in Eugene where he was telling his team that he was about to leave. Okay. This comes from the athletic, a report that came out last night, uh, quote, until recently, Miami's administration had been unwilling to allocate funds to the athletic department, instead leaving it to cover all expenses on its own. But the success of Miami's U Health System, which made more than $400 million in profits last year, promises from big-time boosters and donors back upgrades at Miami, changed the school's stance. The Miami's U Health System made $400 million last year. Jeff, 
do you care to tell me what happened in the uh, medical world last year? Yeah, there is uh, something happened. Now, the, the, the counterpoint to this and the way to say, oh, it's not so bad is without a hospital system, things would have been way worse. On the, on the other side of it is the first time that you're comfortable uh, investing back into a non-medical thing, which still important, a non-medical thing, taking it from a medical thing to football is after said global pandemic. So yeah, that uh, University of Miami really said that, okay, because we made so much money from treating people in the hospital, we feel comfortable taking that money and giving it to a sports team. An, an amateur sports team and paying college football coaches. Bananas. Absolutely yeah. bananas. We're going to basically, they said, we're going to use our COVID blood money and we're going to hire a new football coach and build a new football facility. That is a, that is the moment when I sat back and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of moments like that where really the uh the brian kelly fake accent mm -hmm. that's one where you go yeah you know, that's a little smarmy pandering there yeah and then you got uh lincoln riley saying we're gonna make this the uh, mecca of college football and then i was it isaiah isaiah thomas yeah isaiah thomas saying he told us the same thing yesterday yeah that uh there is a whole lot of you that exists in college football. I think it's That's, actually a pretty good way to describe the business. Like the, the overarching business of college football is you. That was uh, that's going to be the title of the 30 for 30. No. The 2021 e college football story. E U G H. Yeah. It's uh, been an interesting few weeks, obviously, but um, man, it was a good day of, of football and still on Saturday, uh, that 11 o'clock game, the big 12 championship game. First of all, I just want to say it was amazing to watch that game and not see Oklahoma or Texas there. That was uh -huh. incredibly satisfying purely for, I mean, obviously selfish big 12 reasons where we're all just, we all just hate Oklahoma and Texas now and we're tired of them. And to see them not win, neither one of them win the title was amazing. I can't even imagine how good Bob Bullsby felt knowing that he didn't mm -hmm. have to hand the trophy to one of those two programs. Mm -hmm. uh, but dude, shout out to Dave Aranda and the job that he did at Baylor for them to go from two and seven in his first year to winning the league the next. I mean, I think that I think they were picked ninth in the league mm -hmm. and, and won yeah. the thing. Well, and I think that they play the way that Baylor plays football reminds me of the way that Iowa state plays basketball, which is one of those, the name on the front's more than the name on the back situations where there isn't, you, you look at Baylor and there's not a guy, there's no, who is, you know, you look at uh, Oklahoma state and there's, you know, guys like Rodriguez and Brock Martin and you got Spencer Sanders and there there's names that are kind of associated with that uh, program. But, there's not a, there's no one person that exists for Baylor. It's just a whole team of guys that are playing really, really well. So to me, that's the, that's the news. Like that's the thing. That's the big, the big important thing that Baylor has is that they just have a front name team and not a back name team. Yeah. Oklahoma state did their best Iowa state impression. 
in the title game. It was dead on. By digging themselves a 21 to three hole. And then, I mean, doing everything they possibly could to dig out of it. Well, okay. They did everything they could to dig out of it without actually digging out of it because they got down to the goal line twice and had to kick a field goal once. I think they ran seven plays from the one yard line and came away with six points. Which is incredible for Baylor, which is also terrible for Jalen Warren. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because that is his specialty. I feel horrible. I don't think, was that Jalen Warren that got the last carry for them? I don't think that it was. Mm. It wasn't. I feel horrible for that kid because you can tell that he gave a, I mean, he gave it everything he had, an amazing effort, and just like came up a centimeter short from winning the game. Mm -hmm. And obviously, he would have been a legend in Stillwater forever. Yeah. And it was that close. And like that would be devastating, you know, but uh, that was a fantastic football game. And it was not a very good day to be Spencer Sanders, but it was one of those games that makes you feel really good about where the Big 12 is going to be, even without Oklahoma and Texas. Mm-hmm. Because there's no doubt that those are two of the be- 10 best teams in the country. Exactly. And you bring in Cincinnati and you're going to bring in BYU and you're going to bring in Central Florida. Like you're going to be bringing in quality teams. You're yeah. not just adding shit. You're just adding quality teams that have already proven that they're really good. And you're retaining Oklahoma State. You're retaining Baylor. You're retaining Iowa State. You know, you have these good programs that are going to make it more of a uh, more of a, a, a front name league instead of a back name league. You know what I mean? Like the same thing with Baylor's football team is sort of the conference. You have, yes, there are brands and names and stuff like that, but the first place versus sixth place team is just as important as Oklahoma versus anybody. Like it, it, it matters more between the whole league now. I think the league has an opportunity to be kind of different in a way where it's like, we are going to be strong as a group, you know, and we're going to be strong in the general sense of college football as like an entity rather Mm -hmm. than just being strong as individuals, you know? And I think that that's kind of, I mean, that can be the big 12's niche moving forward is it's, you know, any given Saturday, you don't know what's going to happen in the Big 12, mm-hmm. you know, and that might help hurt the Big 12 in the grand scheme of things as far as like the playoff and things like that. But I think that it will make the Big 12 entertaining if you really lean into that kind of stuff, especially if they would want to do some stuff where maybe moving forward, you're willing to play more games during the week, you know, like you're more willing to play on Thursdays, you're more willing to play on Fridays and take some of those like marquee time slots that are not traditional for the other leagues and say, we want this to be the big 12 time, you know, or even like the, the 11 AM kicks, you say, we're going to dive right into the big noon kickoff on Fox thing and, Mm -hmm. and go all in on that deal. Like, I think there's an opportunity there for the big 12 to still carve out its niche and have a really solid footing in the college football sphere, just because you're like, we're not going to rely on any one team to carry, to carry us through every given year. Yeah. And you're going to have, a bunch of quality matchups and you could have a really good game to pick from pretty much every week yeah. because of the, the volume of really good teams. And I mean, we'll see what Cincinnati does, but you know, maybe like if Cincinnati can pull off the upset and beat Alabama, Holy nuts. That would be a wonderful news for general college football, just because I think everybody is kind of sick of Alabama. Um, but if they can pull off that upset, 
And even if they don't end up winning the championship with whomever uh, against whatever, but if they could pull that off, then you've got that type of cachet in a league. And then you've got, again, you've got a Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU is going to be a lot better. BYU is going to be a lot better. Iowa State is going to be a lot better. Or, you know, it's going to be really good. Like you're going to have in any, any game, two of those six are going to be playing each other. And then some team's going to come out of, you know, who knows if, I don't know, pull a name out of a hat, uh, Kansas State or West Virginia end up being really good in a season too. Like you, you have so many just different quality games that are going to happen that there is going to be something meaningful every single week. It would be like if, if Cincinnati did beat Alabama, that would have to be the biggest upset in college football since Boise State beat Oklahoma, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And I think it would have the same type of legend. I mean, depending on how the game goes, but it would be this, the same type of uh, um, name cache and lodge place in memory cache. Because the, the games, to me, the, the, the postseason games that come to mind right away are uh, Ohio State, Miami in 2001. Then or 2003, sorry, 2003. Then the Rose Bowl between USC and Texas, the Vince Young game, and then Boise, Oklahoma. I mean, those are the three games that come to mind when I think of the best college football games that I've ever seen that don't involve a team that I'm rooting for. That is the best game. And I think I throw Alabama, Georgia in there. Oh, the uh, the comeback game. Yeah, Yeah. the two. But those those are. And they're ones that just come to mind. And like the, those are the ones that just right away, you know, Cincinnati, Alabama has the chance to do that. Absolutely. Um, all right. So if I had told you five years ago that Iowa state would play Notre Dame, Oregon and Clemson in back to back to back bowl games, what would your thought have been? How bad have those programs gotten? I would have wondered if they got caught in the FBI scandal. So that would have been, that have been what the question would be is what, what happened to them? Yeah, they were, uh, they were so high, but no, I, Iowa state went the other way. It wasn't a meet in the middle. I mean, a little bit, Clemson's a little bit more I, air quotes, disappointing. I have three losses, three, three losses. It's not like we're not like playing against Vanderbilt. This is a really good team still. And it's a decent season. And you've got, again, those teams back to back to back that Iowa state has punched up to they've not been, I mean, maybe the Notre Dame game, they Iowa state sort of jumped up where they shouldn't have been. Uh, but this one, I mean, Oregon and this one both feel like Iowa state has earned their way and deserved their way into this matchup. And the early line came out and Iowa state's what a one point favorite somehow. Yeah. I think they were a one point favorite, but I also saw it in some places where they're one and a half point underdogs. So I think it's like right there, you know, it's a pick them more or yeah. less. Yeah. It's basically a pick them. Um, but it was interesting, you know, I think the national perception of Clemson was like down. They lost that first game to Georgia and then they came back and lost to, offense. yeah. And then they came back and lost to NC state and you're like, man, Clemson had a bad year, you know? And then you look at their schedule and you realize they won seven of their last eight, won their last six in a row and they're second in the nation and uh, in scoring defense, holding teams to only 15 points a game. And you're like, Oh, Oh shit. Clemson, did not have a bad season at all. Like mm-hmm. it just is that they didn't have a typical Clemson season. Yeah. This is a down year, which is a program that you'd always love to have is if that is, if that's a down year is nine and three with the second best defense in college football, 
okay, that's a bad year. But again, Iowa State is punching up to that. They're not, they didn't settle into this bowl game. This is what they, they deserve mathematically to be in this game. And it's, it will be interesting to see what happens, happens with Clemson's defense now, considering Brent Venables uh, was announced last night. Oh, my God, I completely forgot about this. Did you see the reception that Brent Venables got in, Nor- in Norman last night? No. Was it uh, like the Pope coming to town? Oh, my dude. I think Jesus Christ himself could have pulled up on that airplane and would have gotten booed. Like there was there was thousands of people at the airport in Norman waiting for that plane to touch down. I've never seen anything like it ever. No no such thing as expectations there. huh? Yeah, it was it was unbelievable what was happening. And this was like at 11 o'clock at night. There were all these people out on like you would think that they don't work on Mondays in Norman with the way that people were out there. And uh, it was, I've never seen anything like that for a college football coach arriving. And it was like, people were showing up before the plane had even left South Carolina with him on it, whether or not they knew for sure he was going to come. And they're all just out there waiting for this plane to come back. Like, I can't imagine what would have happened if Joe Castiglione had got off the plane and not had Brent Venables on there. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's 2,000 people, and he gives them the thumbs down. Sorry, man. It's like Chuck Norris in, uh, in, in Dodgeball. They're all just waiting to see. If it, it, it was like, you know, we were waiting to see if the smoke would come out for Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, and this was the, the next version. But instead of the smoke, it's just, are they going to play Boomer sooner eight, 18 million times or just – 17 million times. They, uh, they have to play Boomer Sooner every time the head coach takes a step. I think it's in his contract. Yeah, they said that they'd played it three times within the first minute that he had been in Norman. It's not surprising. They play that song all the freaking time for no good reason. What do you think he'll be like at Oklahoma? I think it's a great fit. Um, I mean, he's, he was there before. He was there when they were good in, on defense, which Alex Grinch sort of brought that back but they were inconsistent for the most part. I mean, they could be good, but they could be really bad. Uh, he knows kind of what it takes to coach high-level athletes, which is, a, it, I would imagine, a slightly different ballgame than you know when, when guys come in with expectations of, well, I'm a five-star, so I should play. Well, he's been doing that at Clemson for the past X number of years and was doing that with Stoops when they were there. So he knows how to coach high-level guys, which is, a very unique skill set that you need at a place like uh, Oklahoma, because otherwise you end up getting a bunch of me guys that show up and are mad that they're not playing when they shouldn't be playing because they don't have the emotional or, or mental maturity to play. Uh, so he's going to be able to navigate that. He's going to be able to recruit to Norman. Um, I think it's a great fit. And I think it's funny because all of the coaches, I, I think Brian Kelly at LSU feels the weirdest, but all the coaches that are going to fit like Mario Cristobal at Miami, great fit. Uh, Lincoln Riley at USC, great fit. Brent Venables at Oklahoma, great fit. It's sort of like things, Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, great fit. It sort of feels like all the pieces kind of landed where they should have landed, but just the way they got there was super weird, as if you sort of just punted the box of puzzle pieces and they all kind of just clicked to the ground. And you're like, oh, they ended up in the right spot. So it, it yeah, it, it feels like it's a really good fit. It's just a really weird way to get a really good fit. Yeah, the Brian Kelly one is the only one that it's like, the entire puzzle lands and then there's one piece that's crooked, you mm-hmm. know, and it's it like, fits. you can, you, yeah, you can, ish. or yeah, it's bent. It's a bent piece, you and know, you can push it down, but like the, the top little veneer part of the actual picture that's on there is sort of peeled up and you're not, 
super sure if it's if you push it down really hard it can kind of sort of fit in the in the puzzle but it doesn't it doesn't feel totally natural uh one thing i'm curious about or that i just have a, a sort of working theory oops drop my pencil uh a sort of working theory on brian kelly is i wonder if he took that job because he knew marcus freeman was right for notre dame's job yeah, and I think he had said at some point during the season that he thought Marcus Kelly or Marcus Freeman should be the next head coach at Notre Dame. You know, and, and so I wonder if he is sort of, and this would make this would really change. Like if this is true, and this is, and I'm I've sort of put this through my mental what if filter. If that's really true, that he has been mentoring this guy for a while, he knows that he's the right fit. He was only there for a year, even, though, so it's like it's hard to think think that he was setting it up like that. You know? Yeah. I would just want, I mean, again, it's not been mentoring for a long time, but like if he sees that this is the right guy and sees that this is the way, if he's been potentially, whether he's tired or has been sort of wanting a change, but he knows that Notre Dame and the kids that he's been working with and the program that he's been built is going to be left in really good hands. Then he can go out and say, I'm a, I'm a big enough man that I can take the bullets that are going to come from going to LSU because this is the right place for Notre Dame to be left in is within these hands. This is who it should be with. And if I stay here any longer, then this guy's going to go somewhere else. And then I will have to stay here forever and don't really have a chance to offload this to the hands that they need to get offloaded to. If that's the case, and he saw that in Marcus Freeman, that's actually a pretty noble thing to do. Now, granted, noble also meaning you're getting $10,000 a second to go coach football at LSU. But to, you know, to, to leave the program in the way that he did with who he left it to might not be the least shady thing on earth, especially because of how weird of a fit it is at LSU. So I don't know. That's sort of the working theory that I have in my head is that he did it to give Notre Dame to Marcus Freeman because he knew that's where it should be. That's sort of what I have in my head is he, that's how he's working it. I think the thing for him that's going to be so important is hiring a staff. You know, like you have to get a mm-hmm. good staff there. And that's something that I had read was really their big problem with Ed Orgeron is that he was not a good enough CEO, you know? And I think yeah. that that had proven to be true over all of the years that Ed Orgeron's been a head coach at, at you know, Ole Miss and then briefly at USC and then even at, at LSU. It's just like, you could tell that there wasn't the organizational aspects that you probably needed. And I don't think there's anybody that can say that Brian Kelly has not proven himself to be a good CEO. He did well mm-hmm. at Notre Dame has, before they kind of had a downturn and he knew he had to you know make a bunch of changes and then once he made the changes he found the right people to come in and do what he needed to do to improve it you know mm-hmm. and that's where i think lsu did a really good job but at the same time you have to wonder like who wants to go coach for that guy i mean I, you know there will be people like there's it's lsu they're gonna find mm-hmm. good coaches you know mm-hmm. I would not, not be surprised if maybe Joe Brady ended up back there as the offensive coordinator. He got fired yesterday by Carolina Panthers. Um, mm-hmm. And he was there as the OC when, you know, when Joe Burrow was uh, the quarterback and they were obviously so good offensively. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think everything at the end of the day worked out perfectly fine um, for everybody. All right. Uh, just a couple more things. Uh, Brees Hall, back-to-back Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year awards for, uh, for number 28. One of only four players to win two Big 12 uh, offensive player of the year awards joining Ricky Williams, Jason White. Uh, who's the other one that won back to back? Baker Mayfield. Ba- uh, well, Baker Mayfield won two. 
Okay, so yeah, those are the other three. Yeah, Baker Mayfield won two, but there was a year in between them. So mm-hmm. three Heisman Trophy winners in Brees Hall. Not too bad a company. No, not too bad. And I don't. When did the uh, the awards come out? It's, it's Sunday, right? It's a week. Are you a week from now? Is the awards ceremony stuff? I think the awards ceremony is next Thursday. Okay, but either way, you've got uh, you know the potential to have a Doke and a Mackey in in the program in the same year. Dude, I don't think po- it can realistically possible. It can't be understated how important winning one of those awards would be. Just from a recruiting mm. standpoint, just to show that like, hey, if you come here, you can win this, you know? You, it's, yeah. It's like in basketball, man. Like think what Bill Fennelly can do when he walks into a, into a living room for a small, for a forward in women's college basketball mm-hmm. and says, mm-hmm. you know, the Cheryl Miller award that goes to the best forward in women's college basketball. We got two of those in the last mm-hmm. four years. You want to come and be a good player? Come to Iowa State. I promise you. You're going to get an opportunity, yeah. you know? Well, I think the, the other thing that's true about stuff like this is when you, when, when Campbell had that, you know, it's that I don't want to win a big 12 championship, like that, that argument, that thing, this is one of the byproducts of that, you know, where you're not, yes, you want to win a big 12 championship, but again, Brees Hall is a, is a Doak Walker finalist. And it's probably a coin flip between him and Kenneth Walker, realistically, who's going to win the Doak one of those two and and either one is deserving it's not to say that one guy deserves it over the other one we're biased and but michigan state people would also say they should win it so flip a coin get him give it to one, either one of them charlie should probably win the mackey i mean maybe what is the wiedermeyer is that was like wiedermeyer the, whatever the kid from AM. like i would be shocked if charlie doesn't win it so he's probably an odds-on favorite to win the mackey and so you have those two is it an unsuccessful season for Charlie Kohler if he wins the Mackey? You know, like is an unsuccessful season for Brock if his running back wins the Doke and his tight end wins the Mackey? Is that an unsuccessful season for him? If any Wazirike is picked in the third round because he came back and improved his draft stock and made himself $15 million more than he would have if he would have come out last year, is that an unsuccessful season for him? And all those things, I mean... Yes. Ultimately, do you not, do you want to be seven and five? No. Relative to being 10 and two or 11 and one or being in the playoff or winning the big 12, of course you want to win those things. But by saying that's the only way we can define success is winning the championship. Then you eliminate the possibility of saying these, these are also successes as a byproduct of the process. So this is, I think those awards of Paul getting the OPOY, them being both finalists, it, it really to me, it, it validates the point that Campbell has of it doesn't really matter what happens at the end when all we care about is what happens right now. That's just, again, I think it's the, it's the stamp that shows that that matters. For sure. All right. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we sign off? No, I think uh, we're, we're coming to an end of the fart era of 2021 into 2022. Say not the end of I the think, fart era, but at the end of another season of fart. The end of the fart season. Yeah, yeah, the fart, the 2021 fart. We're this approaching fart. our season finale. There is, there should be two episodes left, I believe. Perhaps if there's an emergency surprise episode, we'll do a bowl, a bowl preview once we get a little bit more chance to look at Clemson, figure out who's playing, who's not playing uh, for both teams. It is my opinion. I've voiced it a couple of times. I hope that Brees doesn't play just because. Okay, he's got nothing to gain. And if he plays awesome, I would, I would be happy to, you know, I 
as a fan would be happy to watch him again, but don't, uh, I hope he doesn't play. I just want him to go to the league. There's other guys like Mike Rose has a chance to improve his draft stock or something like that. Or a guy like Charlie going against you know, big time defenders at Clemson. It's really good tape. Those things, those things can be improved. Brees ain't got anything to prove. So at this point, I hope he doesn't play. And I don't know about Clemson, but yeah, we'll, we'll know more. And it's probably going to be the week or a few days before the actual bowl game. And then we'll do kind of a post bowl game season wrap up and kind of previewing what we're going to be going into for the off season. And then um, at that point, it's elf on the shelf until spring ball. You'll be like Woody in Toy Story 2 when they put him up on the top shelf. Yep. And I'll, I'll talk to myself. No one else will hear me. I'll just talk to myself, sadly. You'll get dusty, like Wheezy. What's his, like the penguin? Wheezy. That, yeah, yeah, Wheezy. Wheezy. Yeah. The penguin. Yeah, Wheezy they the penguin. They replaced a squeaker and he got to sing. I almost wonder if those guys will maybe be more likely to play because they're going to play Clemson. I feel like that will be one of the games that will have of the non- uh, playoff games or non-New Year's mm-hmm. Year Six, you would have to think there will be as many NFL scouts at that game as there will at any other one. For sure, yeah. I, and I would imagine it, 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 it's going to matter for Clemson, certain guys at Clemson, because they're going to be going up against certain guys at Iowa State. You know, if there's, whether it's offensive or defensive linemen um, or linebackers, if there's a Clemson linebacker or two that are really kind of vying for, you know, to, to raise their draft stock, they're going to have the... Th- Three of the five. So there are five first and second team tight ends and fullbacks for the Big 12 awards. Iowa State had three of them. They had Chase, Charlie, and Jared Russ. There's only two guys that were not Iowa State Cyclones in the entire thing that are on the tight ends and fullbacks. And if you're a linebacker for Clemson, you're playing against those three dudes. That's really good film. So yeah, there's a chance that this is going to be a really highly attended game. It's also a chance it might not be. I mean, who knows? We'll see. But we will preview that in the next episode of Football and Random Things. We'll talk to you guys again soon here on uh, the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Peace.